You're listening to the Hotard Huddle Podcast, presented by me, Michael Hotard. Check it out as we dive into sports, movies, music, TV, and more. This is the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Bring it in. It's time for the Hotard Huddle Podcast, episode 8. I'm your host, Mike Hotard. Today, I'm joined by an awesome guest. I met her through a mutual friend. Uh, a couple of years back, and number one, we're breaking ground here because it's the first female that we've had on the podcast, although it's 2019. I don't know if we should assume gender at this point, but uh, I have Gabrielle Cox, and Gabrielle is uh, a little bit younger than I am, and she is uh, finishing up school. She has an internship at Fox 8. She just recently went to Spain. Huge soccer fan. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of that. She is also going to graduate from the rivalry of, or from a rival of Nichols. That is Southeastern, our biggest rival. So we're going to talk some shit on this episode regarding that. But just to get started, I welcome Gabby on here. So thank you for being here and, uh, you know, congrats on all the good things coming your way. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on here. I was a little surprised that you asked me to come on, but like, I was like, heck yeah, I'm important in life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, when you make it on the Hotard Huddle, that's when you know you've made it, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> but um, first and foremost, you know, congrats on everything that you got happening. Um, thank you, thank you. And I know before... Uh, before we started, we were talking a little bit, so you were scheduled to graduate, now you're just kind of pushing it off to, to some degree to pursue a couple of other avenues, you said, correct? Right, right, so originally, first, just a little bit about me is where I'm assuming we're going with this, I originally went to LSU my first year um, studying communication, uh, mass, mass comm at LSU, um, I always wanted to be a sports reporter since I was 13, and uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of LSU. The traffic in Baton Rouge is wild, um, and I just, it, it wasn't my thing. I played for the club soccer team there, ended up tearing my hamstring, so, you know, things were not going my way, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to go home, go to Southeastern, never thought I would go to Southeastern, always literally shit on Southeastern, like... <laughs> being from Hammond like I've been in Hammond since I was four and so I was like I'm definitely not gonna go there well it ended up being the best decision of my life to go to Southeastern I have gotten so many unbelievable opportunities through the communication department at Southeastern and um so basically I was supposed to graduate this coming Saturday I have been in school for four and a half years um because when I transferred from LSU of course, not all my credits transferred over, and I decided to pick up a Spanish minor, too. So, I did finish my communication degree, I did finish my Spanish minor, but I decided to pick up a marketing minor, um, just to get a little bit more involved in uh, social media, just how it works. Um, I feel like it goes hand in hand, so I'll actually be graduating in the spring now, so yeah. Well, that's awesome, and I did. I I forgot that uh, you had gone LSU because you and I yeah, had talked yeah. about that. But uh, no, that's um, that's awesome. And Southeastern, um, you know, their mass comm program 
one of my old mentors actually uh my my buddy albert dupont he was a teacher of mine in high school and he raved about their their mass comm program when we were in high school i know a couple of people who have gone through there and done really well because of the the footprint they were able to establish while there and uh you know for me i have no ill will towards nickels whatsoever i wouldn't trade the five years i spent there for anything i loved it i i'm still friends with um several of the people within the mass comm department but unfortunately for nickels because of how much they get screwed on funding a lot of the times right after i left that's when that mass comm department really started to take off they got a bunch of renovations done and i'm just like (laughs) but southeastern i mean i've heard nothing but great things about that mass comm program and like i said a lot of people have gone through there that i know and they've done really well for themselves so i'm sure it'll be the same uh for you yeah definitely i mean um southeastern when i got there actually uh i met a friend who is actually one of my um very best friends he is uh he's really into play by play um and he asked me you know they needed someone for uh the soccer like they needed a color commentator for the soccer and literally no one at the southeastern channel knew anything about (laughs) soccer and he met me and um it was an interpersonal communication class and he was like oh you want to be a sports reporter he was like so you know soccer he was like yo we need a color (laughs) commentator okay fun fact i didn't know what a color commentator was okay so my very first game that i did color um, for Southeastern, I actually thought that I was going to be announcing over the loudspeaker <laughs> in Strawberry Stadium. I didn't know it was going to be on camera or anything. Like, this was for the Southland Network. Like, I had no idea. It was my first time doing anything. And, um, but it ended up being good, though. I mean, I, it, it's never what I planned to do, but I, since then, I've done the color commentating for, um, Southeastern Soccer. So, yeah, it's been. <laughs> that's awesome it was funny that's awesome now have you done any other sports as far as like play-by-play or color commentary unfortunately i'm yes and and i say unfortunately because i used to play softball so i was thinking okay like the my uh boss knew that i played softball in um uh, it was grade school. It, it, it was junior high. It wasn't even in high school. Like, it was in junior high. So I know how the game works. But to say that I should be the color commentator is a little far-fetched, okay? <laughs> so my friend John, I mean, award-winning. Like, our, our his play-by-play commentating has won awards for the Southeastern Channel. Like, he is phenomenal. And um, so he could truly sit there and do play-by-play for any sport just because, you know, he's so good at it. Well, he is setting me up to talk about stuff. We're doing, you know, the live softball broadcast, and it ended up being a no-hitter. Um, and uh, so, like, I'm trying to, like, put my input in. It was the worst thing that I have ever done because I was like, you know what? I really thought I knew softball, <laughs> but until you have to sit through a two-hour-long game and just, you know, put your two cents in every now and again and, and, and be the professional, you really realize, I don't know as much about this as I thought I did. <laughs> so, it's yeah, tough. that was a struggle. It's tough. I, um... 
I I have experience with with uh, football, which football I can do play by play or color. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm I'm decent at both. Football wasn't a problem. I did play by play once once for basketball and never the hell again. I could not keep up. My my mouth couldn't communicate what my my eyes were seeing on the court. And I'm and luckily. Luckily, it was radio, so it's not like the listeners actually okay. know what how behind I am. But when I tell you, right. I it was like playing Call of Duty with the worst lag imaginable I'm from my dead. perspective. So I'm dead. <laughs> I I mean, it was it was brutal. Um, and I have had experience with with softball. I I did softball in high school. It was more PA. Um, okay. More yeah. PA stuff, but I also took it a step further and would call out balls and strikes, stuff like that, make it interesting and fun. And uh, that was my first taste, really, at announcing sports. And that that's kind of when I started to really like it. I, I fell in love with it a little bit. It was fun. Well, I realized. I realized. I, I- I don't want to do that I at all. Not even a little bit. I don't want to be any kind of play-by-play, any kind of color. <laughs> now, look, if someone were to take me under their wing and, like, really just, like, show me the ropes, and I'd be like, yeah, of course. I can do color for soccer any day. Put me in color, play-by-play for any other sport, it ain't happening, all right? <laughs> I truly specialize, and I've always wanted to be a sideline reporter, so that's where they realized that my strengths were at the Southeastern Channel. I did the sideline. So I did sideline um, for softball one time. And then from then on, I did um, basketball. I did football. And then that's just where my strength is, is just talking to people, like, you know. And um, that's actually where I got um, um, oh, Southeastern got picked up by ESPN Plus mm-hmm. this um, past uh, semester. And I was – chosen to do two of the games i had to do this little tryout thing and you know um they chose me and they said that i you know did really well and they were really impressed about you know for me just being a student reporter so that when i'm telling you like i wasn't i didn't feel nervous until we were going live and i looked down at the microphone and realized that i had that espn flag on the mic and i was like yo, this is not for the Southland Network anymore. This is, like, for actually ESPN. So that was, like, a huge thing for me. Hell yeah. yeah. And I saw that, and I was like, dude, look at you. So, um, you know, overall, though, the sideline reporting. So it's interesting you bring that up just because in sports you don't see a lot of women in, Mm -hmm. in the booth. And no. I and I don't know if that is more an industry driven thing of you know sexism or if it's just women find their niche more with sideline reporting because if there's something to say about women and sports, I feel like women being on the sideline they can get more from players and coaches because mm-hmm. I think in the moment. I feel like most athletes and coaches will feel more comfortable talking to a woman just because, or to a woman just because. Mm-hmm. I, I guess there's just that comfortability there, but yeah. Well, and and the way I look at it is, look, like you said earlier, it's 2019, about to be 2020. 
So I think the future is bright there. Now, usually, like, you are going to hear women more in the booth for, like, soccer or when it's women's um, soccer or if it's women's softball, you know, something like that. But as far as, like, let's just say an NFL game, um, you know, I, I, I don't I, – I would love to see it, of course, because I think that – a woman can know the game just as well as a man, Absolutely. if not better than some men, you know? I mean, and, and we've seen it with, like, the women coming in being the NFL referees. Like, it's just been, you know, huge things left and right. But I think that women find their niche more on the sideline because, just like you said, like, and it's, it's, it's not just that. This industry is all about appearance and it's all about how you look on camera, how you sound. Absolutely. If you have, like, a really crappy voice, you're not getting a job. And it's it's kind of sucks that it's so superficial, but, like, it is. It yeah. is what it is. And I don't, I don't think the superficialness of this industry is going to change. Because, I mean, if you want to do it, if you want to do this, you have to do, you know, everything that you can. Um, And so, like, I just feel like coaches, athletes, like, you know, women have more of a, like, welcoming kind of thing on the sideline. And, like, just for me, like, you got to get the scoop on the sideline. So, like, I'm trying to, like, be around there, listen to what they're saying, you know. I feel like if it was a guy, I don't know. I, I feel like some coaches would, because all co- all NFL coaches are men, like, you know, they'd be like, oh, get away. Like, yeah. like you know, what, are, what are you doing? You know what I mean? So, like. Um, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's sexist. I just. I would say that it's not the time yet. And, yeah, it's and just not the norm. Yeah. Now, you know, you bring up being on the sidelines and stuff like that, and essentially being a sideline reporter. I mean, you got to be a snake in the grass a little bit, just because oh, yeah. you, you have to keep your ears your ears uh, attentive, and you have to keep your eyes open and just see and hear everything going on around you, because there could be something that you may get called upon. An injury happens, they might not want to talk about it. So you kind of just got to go around and figure out what's going on because if they ask you what the injury is and they come down to you, oh, well, I don't really know anything. Okay, great. Thanks for the scoop. (laughs) Thanks for nothing. (laughs) Right. Now, is there there a sideline reporter? Now, is there a sideline reporter that you tend to look up to um, in the professional or college realm that you really like that kind of – I guess inspired you to some degree. Okay, so there. Um, it's funny because that you asked that because I actually was never really inspired by one sideline reporter. Um, it was kind of collective. Um, how I got really into this and how it's kind of it, it's not it's not the normal I would say, but I have wanted to do this since I was literally 13 and um the reason why I wanted to do this was because for the longest time I wanted to be a dietitian and you know I, was I like, remember oh, you yeah. telling me that just because yeah. Melissa's did, a dietitian we talked about that because Melissa well, yeah yeah we did talk about that so like I wanted to be a dietitian and that's a normal life I was interested in it I like health I like fitness I've been an athlete my whole life well um I decided whenever my dad is from South Africa and my dad um, played soccer professionally uh, when he was younger. So 
we went to the 2010 Men's World Cup in South Africa. And so, yeah, I was 13 13 at the time. And I remember I had really just, that's when I was really good at soccer. Like, I was like, I was like a beast. And then that's when the dreams were still running wild. Yeah, so, like, I really started to watch um, professional soccer right around then, and I just kind of, like, fell in love with Messi, okay? So, like, I was like, you know what? Rightfully so. I'm going for Argentina this World Cup, (laughs) and I was like, I'm rooting for, of course I'm going to root for the USA. I was like, but I'm rooting for Argentina because, you know, Messi's on the team. So I remember I went, my first game that I went to was Argentina versus South Korea, and it was in Soccer City, which was the biggest stadium in South Africa. I went in. We were at the very top row. Okay, like I' pretty sure, like my nose was about to start bleeding <laughs> from like going up there. Um, and I just remember the feeling. Like I can, I'll never forget it. Walking in that stadium, I was just like, "Oh my god, this is." I I want to be around this lifestyle all the time and like it was such like a little adrenaline rush for me and then I you know had seen all the players like line up and all stuff and Maradona was actually the coach at the time um so I remember seeing him I could see him down there and I was like oh my god like this is nuts I was like it's the hand of god like in my presence and like um so I I saw Messi play and like uh he was he was young at the time and um I just, from then on, I was like, what can I do? Like, what kind of job can I get to do this? Because, like, I'm not just going to meet these people on the on the street every day. Like, you have to have, like, you know, be important. So I was like, you know what? I, I, I want to be a sports reporter. And I have never, I've never really swayed from that since. And I... This year, I just realized that, you know, I am actually good at what I have been practicing, and I put a lot of hard work into it, and so this is the year that I really started realizing I do have a shot at actually going far into this business if I keep working at it, you know? Absolutely, and, you know, with you working at Fox 8, that's that's a huge foot in the door. Um, Right. But first and foremost, you know, when you're describing your time at South Africa checking out the World Cup... First and uh-huh. foremost, holy crap, the goosebumps I got when you mentioned Maradona's name, just because soccer is so different than any oh, other no. sport to me, just because we're not talking about national stars, we're talking about international stars, international, international superstars. Mm-hmm. So right. when the World Cup comes around every four years or every two years, um, you know, if you include men and women's. It's it's such a different feeling. I for me, I can't take my eyes away from the TV when World Cups happening. Oh and no! I tell people all the time, I don't follow I I, I don't follow soccer day to day. I don't follow uh, BPL or you know <laughs> Champions League or anything like that on a on a day to day basis like a lot of my friends do. Mm-hmm. But once that World Cup rolls around, I am glued to the TV, and I think if soccer in the u.s had a bigger draw i think i would follow it more closely but it's i you know when people ask me my favorite sport you know it's crazy because if you talk to me most people will think football nfl 
NFL uh-huh. might be my favorite league, but my favorite sport is without a doubt, and it's not even close, it's basketball and soccer. Those are the two best, in my opinion. That's surprising. And part of that's just because the NFL, like I said, it's the most well-orchestrated league across the board, and Obviously. I can't turn away from it. But as far as sports go, just pure love of the game, love of the sport, it, there's nothing that compares for me to soccer and basketball. And it's crazy just because it's the two sports I wanted the least to do with growing up. Really? So I've just grown to appreciate both. And, uh, you know, with and I think it's awesome that you got to go to South Africa and because mm-hmm. 2010 was when the men had their nice little run, the U.S. men's team. Oh, yeah. You oh, know, yeah. I don't think good. anyone expected them to win because they were ultimately in the group of death. But hell, if yes. they didn't come out of it looking like winners. So, you know, that was a big deal for the U.S. Landon Donovan mm-hmm. freaking right. showed out. Um, obviously, did. Tim Howard. um, I think and Michael Bradley. Yes, he was young, but that was when um, I'm blanking. Why am I blanking on the dude's name? But his dad was coaching at the time. That was Bradley's dad, I think. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I don't can't remember his first name. I'm yeah, John Blank. But he was the coach at the time, and they were doing they were doing great. I mean, and and I actually went to a USA game. It was USA versus Slovenia, and I had like phenomenal seats, and I was genuinely surprised at the amount of support that the u.s like at the fans that were there for the usa game and and actually um passionate about it yeah Uh, because you see like you see passion in now i don't know about i'm not huge into any other like um NFL team, obviously the Saints are my team, but like just how New Orleans is so passionate about the Saints, just like when we won the Super Bowl and like, you know, crime rate goes down in New Orleans, like everything is popping when the Saints are winning and the Saints are doing everything. And like, I I don't think that there's a fan base who is more passionate in the NFL than the Saints, like just in my opinion. And, but for soccer, for every team, it's like that. You have your team, and you are ride-or-die club, Absolutely. no matter what, behind that team. And that's I, I think that's what I love so much about watching soccer is, like, how, like, this is a lifestyle for people. This is not a, a sport. Like, people literally grow, grow up, like my dad, like I said, is from South Africa, kicking, like, balls in the streets like when dirt roads and stuff like that it's the thing like and um i mean just like football is here it's the thing but it's everywhere else well everywhere you mentioned the passion of the fans and i don't think there is a sport in the u.s that really can the only sport that i can think of that's maybe justifiable in terms of passion that soccer fans have is college football Nothing yeah, else even nothing else even compares because with college football, there's a ride or die there for most people. Oh, They're diehards. For sure. And, and like see, I, I feel I feel that way I feel that way about Southeastern, but I also feel that way about LSU because I was there for a year. Yeah. And so, you know, every LSU's doing great now and everything and like I actually unfortunately like don't keep up as much with college football as I should. Um but that's, I think that was just because of, like, I go to Southeastern now, so, like, now, like, 
you know, Southeastern's game aren't broadcasted as much. I mean, you know, like, same for Nichols. Like, we don't get, like, the hype. We're not no. the big, big schools and all this stuff. But it's still great. I was telling someone the other day, and uh, this isn't the proverbial shit talk that I talked about earlier, but <laughs> Nichols has been the most successful college football team in the state of Louisiana the last four years. They've, oh, yeah. they've accomplished the most of anyone in the state. But mm-hmm. you wouldn't know that. And it's the discrepancy it's with sad. college sports. And this is – and it's crazy because with college football, uh, you know, you mentioned how you don't follow it. I can count on one hand the number of FBS college football games that I have watched in the last five years probably. Really? I, I just don't follow it. I lost interest yeah. in it after I graduated and really a little mm-hmm. bit before that. But part of my issue with college football, and it, it boils down to to a lot of fans too, I, 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 as passionate as they are, the problem I think I have more than anything with college football and their fan bases is for all the shit talk for all these big programs – they're playing with a full deck while others may not even have have half a deck in that same conference. There's such a discrepancy right. in the level of competition mm-hmm. when you're talking about just the schools in the Power 5 conferences. And now we're yep. going down either even lower once we get to conferences like the MAC. And right. if you're going to sit here and run your mouth rampant when all the chips are in your corner, like, mm-hmm. dude... Go get fucked, because I don't want to hear it. <laughs> like that's what I I I agree with that a hundred percent. Now, like, and I feel like a lot of people like don't give credit, um, like like where where it's due almost. Like a lot of people are still like shit talking LSU, acting like they oh they don't deserve to like be here or whatever. When like, dude, like Joe Burrow is like literally killing the game like over here but i don't know it, it's all the it's all the talk about oh well you know alabama don't play anybody until they play and and i mean i agree with it to an extent like all this stuff but um i don't, i but i i, I agree with you like well, 100 i'm that. a full-blown i'm a full-blown nick saban hater um <laughs> and i and i'll admit that and i do think he's one of the best coaches of all time but of i think course. he's a snake because yeah you, look, there's nothing that that schools can do about their conference schedule. There's nothing yeah. they can do. But yeah. non-conference, if you look at Nick Saban since he's been at Alabama, he schedules the week non-conference games, and that's with a week SEC schedule. So yep. he schedules the week non-conference games. And the ones that are tough, they're never away. They're either on a neutral site or at Alabama. And if they are Mm -hmm. on a neutral site, let's look at it. Geographically speaking, the team that he's scheduling on neutral sites is traveling further. He played USC, I believe, in Atlanta. He played – it was someone from the East Coast. I can't remember who it was. He plays them in Dallas. There's always a further travel for the team he's playing, and that bothers me. So – yeah, and then you know we mentioned LSU obviously since they are in the college football playoff, and this is what's crazy. As much as I hate LSU, and I've made this clear on more than one occasion on the blog, is 
Joe Burrow and Ed Ogeron have made them likable for me. And that's saying a lot mm-hmm. because of how much I fucking hate that school. And, right. you know, Ed Ogeron, what's not to love? He's a down the bayou guy. He's Farmer Frank yeah. from Waterboy. Mm-hmm. But literally, but he's just a literally. he's a he's a quality dude, and I got a funny Ed o- Ed Ogeron story. So, one of his uh, one uh, uh, his godson used to be an assistant coach at Nichols, and I went and interviewed for the for the videographer position there, and he happened to be there as the new coaches were coming in, so he was there just kind of hanging out, I guess, helping them out, and. The coach Ed Dillon that I was interviewing with, he was the cornerback coach. He, uh, we were walking down the hall, and uh, Ed asked him who I was, and he was like, "Yeah, this is our this is our video guy. He's gonna help us with our video." And dude, Coach O was super cool. He was like, "Hey, how's it going, young man? You know?" And oh, I love that. <laughs> tre- treated me like I was his best friend, and he. Uh, and as we're walking away, Coach Dylan was like, hey, do you know who that was? I was like, yeah, I've seen The Blind Side, and he's the same exact person he was on the movie. Because that movie had just come out maybe a year prior. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, holy shit, like, this is cool. So, uh, but Coach O is awesome. And then, dude, Joe Burrow, like, if you look up Moxie in the dictionary, his picture is right next to it, because that dude... Oh, it's hard not to like him. I mean, in terms of man crushes in sports, I mean, dude, I gush over him just because of the moxie, just because of his play style and just that attitude of, hey, I'm just going to lay my I'm going to lay my balls on the table and try to stop me. And see, last year, I was actually, like, I hate I hate to even admit it, but like I jumped on the Joe Burrow bandwagon like this year because last year I was like, oh man I was like I don't like this dude I was like I don't feel like I was like I don't feel like he's this great quarterback that everyone is talking about I said I feel like he's inconsistent I feel like he holds on to the ball too long and I was like just you know picking up my little nitpicky observations because I just you know wanted to just be a hater and then this year I was like seeing a different side I mean you know and everybody of course is gonna give credit to Joe Brady and like all this stuff but that dude no matter what goes on to that field and I know it sounds so cliche but literally like gives his everything and I feel like you know that he walked off the field and did what he could mm-hmm. like at the end of at the end of every game and I, I I appreciate him more now I now that I know more about college football I know more about like it just in general watching his play style and then just watching like we were talking about before the passion of the LSU fans it's hilarious I love it I went to Fred's to watch the (laughs) Alabama game wild wild in there these people are freaking raging in there that was the best that was the best time because like just seeing everyone come together everyone's best friends now like this is history in the making and it was great so yeah and you see i never i i went to baton rouge when i was in college through two or three times and it was all freshman year i had a bunch of friends from high school who went to lsu obviously so i went mm-hmm. to a couple of parties up there for for that they were hosting essentially but I never did the whole Baton Rouge thing, but I have heard plenty of stories about Fred's and the shit that goes down there. So oh, I can only yeah. imagine. 
But um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And you know, I mentioned earlier how I can count on one hand the number of college football games I've watched in the last five years, but. This year, with the college football playoff, the committee got it 110% right. I'm fully interested to see how it's going to play nope. out. And, I'm, and for the first time in forever, like I said, first time in five years, I'm actually interested in college football. And I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the fact LSU, and it, it goes without saying that they're obviously the team that has the most pull in the state. But it's uh, it's been an interesting college football season, and I – I fully intend to watch all those games. I want to see how – I think LSU is going to wind up rolling over Oklahoma. I don't Oklahoma. think that game's going to be close. I, yeah, I am, I, that's going to be – I think that's going to be one of the more, like, hyped-up games because, like, I, I am truly interested. I mean, Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback. Yeah. So, I mean, you cannot get – not discredit him. And then, of course, it's so sad, like, because we actually had a um, – we did our uh, Southeastern show. We aired it. We air it live every Thursday night on um, the sports show, and I was anchoring it. And we were just—it was the week before Tua got hurt, and oh. we were talking about is Tua and still, you know, going to go for the Heisman? Like, is he is he still going to be the um, Heisman winner after Joe Burrow? Like, well, you know, be, they beat Alabama, and I said. Yes, you can't discredit everything that he's done for them still. He's carried Alabama to his great quarterback, and then he gets hurt. And I literally, look, I hate Alabama too, but I respect the hell out of that dude. And I am so sad, and I hope that this really does not ruin his career. I don't think it will. I think, I actually think too is an awesome dude. Uh, Did you by chance, I came across this video on the internet. Did you see the video of him laying in his hospital bed playing the ukulele? Yes! Like, that was one of my favorite videos on the internet this year. I thought it was awesome. Like, dude's just sitting there, like, has every reason to be upset, has every reason to be depressed, and here he is just pouring his heart and soul into this song he's singing on his ukulele, and I'm just like, dude, good for you, man. Like, two is just a likable dude. He really is. He is a a likable guy. And... Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, though, because now the question is, does he does he declare for the draft still? Because there was recently a report that surfaced saying he may return. So that's going to be interesting to see. Um, And I mean, I don't know if I guess he'll he'll get a feel in the the coming weeks as far as what his draft stock looks like. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't see a scenario where two is going to drop out of top 10 or 15 just because of the injury i mean i don't think so either so if he doesn't even if he's the third or fourth quarterback taken i mean it's hard to justify staying but if he does stay and try to get another national title with bama good for him yeah i kind of think that i I was kind of leaning towards more maybe that's what he should do just gather it up again but i mean you just never you never know like you gotta and, take and, the money while you can it's right yeah you know i it's crazy because we harp so much on college athletes you know they're there for an education yeah maybe they are but let's be honest if you have an opportunity to make millions dude unless oh. you blow through that money which a oh, lot of yeah. them do unfortunately dude uh-huh. take the money while you can 
But right. um, for the, sure, it's going to be interesting though with the Ohio State Clemson game. I want to see how that pans out because obviously everyone's banking on Ohio State winning, uh-huh. but. Let's just remember, while they didn't have the strength of schedule, Clemson is still led by Dabo Sweeney, who somehow gets it done come postseason. And honestly, I'd argue he's the best coach in college football currently. So I'm curious to see how that goes, just because, I I mean, we saw what happened a couple of years ago where Clemson, I wouldn't say they were counted out, but they steamrolled through Ohio State a couple of years ago, so it's not out of character for them to come in and surprise a couple of people. So, Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, they got um, Chase Young, too. So, I mean, like, he, it's, it's like, I, yeah, you can't, you can't discredit. Like, I, I, I think that that will be a really interesting game to watch because, like you said, it's almost like, you know, you don't, you don't really know what's going to happen because you can't really, like, literally, just what you said, you can't really count Clemson out because I feel like they surprise people, like, left and right. But, um, oh, my God, did you see the um, the dude, uh, the girl who looks just like Trevor yes. Lawrence? Yes. They met and took a picture together? Yeah. That, is my, that was probably my favorite <laughs> thing on the internet this year. Like, <laughs> That girl recreated all that whole video of all these pictures. That girl looks just like him. It's a, yeah, it's his doppelganger, except for their different sexes. It's crazy. Oh, that was great. That but, was great. But that's a that's another interesting catch. Trevor Lawrence. He uh I mean, obviously if we were talking about two, if he stays well, he's gonna be competing for the number one pick with Trevor Lawrence next year. Right. I mean, that kid, after what he did in the national championship and through the college football playoff last year, he's oh, unbelievable. For sure, for sure. Now, and he's like, he's another guy that I just really, I really like. Like, when yeah. Clemson won, like, when Clemson won and he did, like, his post speech, I was just like, wow, what a, what a dude. Like, yeah. and it, he's so young, too. Oh, like, yeah. He's got the world by the ass right now, for sure. For sure. Now, let's talk about, uh, let's go over to the other side of college football, the one that you and I are familiar with, with uh, the Southland. What a freaking, oh, what a showdown that was this year, just all the stuff that happened. So, um, I mean, it's crazy. So, all the Southland teams made it to the second round, uh, Mm -hmm. Nichols, Southeastern, and then Central Arkansas. All of right. which went in and got absolutely murdered in the second murdered. round. Murdered. You hear me? Murdered. Now, I will say this, though, <sighs> and I did write something about this. So, from my perspective with Nichols, so they played North Dakota State, which, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they're without a doubt the best college football team in the country. They have seven national titles mm-hmm. in since 2011, and that's with uh three different head coaches the head coach that's currently there is in his first year he's undefeated their quarterback hasn't thrown an interception all year you know Nichols goes into Fargo and I was looking at the line for the game they were a 28 point dog and they wound up covering the spread because they lost by 24 but what was crazy I'm sitting there and I was at a I was at a gender reveal party for a friend of mine, and they have the LSU game on, obviously. And I'm following Nichols on the ESPN app on my phone, and I'm just like, I check the score, and it's second quarter, and I'm like, holy shit, 
this is a close game. And it stayed close until about two minutes to go in the third quarter once NDSU broke it open. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, I don't care what that score says. 31-13 is an absolute win for for Nichols in this scenario just because, dude, like, number one, you covered the spread. Number two, the reporters are asking the coach if they're disappointed about the game when they just obliterated Nichols in the fourth quarter. And I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, like, yeah, you didn't win. There's a lot of seniors like Chase Forcade, the Nichols quarterback, who – didn't get that national championship, but hell, man, at Nichols, you win two Southland Conference titles and right. you play in five playoff games. Dude, mm-hmm. you can you can hold your head up high after that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, like, you know, I actually have one of my best friends was like, I don't understand. Like, it, it truly made me so mad. Like, she said, I don't understand. Like, she was like, you, y'all get so excited about southeastern like doing good she was like like southeastern's nothing compared to lsu okay but i was like this is my school dog and i was like you don't understand like they did terrible last year and for them to like uh what southeastern's first home game played jacksonville state number six Mm -hmm. and win that was the most phenomenal thing ever because I was a sideline reporter for that game. So I got to talk to Coach Selfo, and I mean, look, that dude's going to let you know whenever he's pissed off. And he was so happy. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that man so happy. And he, like, I mean, Southeastern really just came and put their all into it. Now, there was one game, the other game that I reported was with uh, UIW, and it was our homecoming Uh. game. And they... Did not do so well. I think there was six turnovers overall, and I was like, oh, man. It was just like Chase and Virgil, our quarterback, just could not get it right, could not get it right. There were so many issues. But, I mean, for Southeastern to go and and then um, beat ACU, too, that was another thing. Like, ACU was number one, and then Southeastern went and beat them at their place, 56-21, to 21, I think, was a score. And so, I mean, it's just like for the Southland Conference, like the teams, I think, like Nichols too, even though, you know, uh, got a nice, fat fumble um, at the Riverbell Classic this year in Strawberry State. Hey, that was, that was after you guys got four timeouts. So, you know, I, as fate I, would have it. And what's his name? Uh, Broussard, our kicker. And look, all right, so I'm, I'm thinking, what are they thinking? They, we have, it was like seconds left. Yeah. Like, I think it was like 20 seconds left, something like that, because I was at the game as a fan. And then, um, so I'm cheering, I'm like, yes, we're about to win this game. Like, I'm so happy. We're taking home the Riverbell Trophy. And... They don't kick the field goal, and I'm like, okay, because he missed the one right before that. All right, so they're going to run it, and fourth down, run it. Give it to Cole Kelly, who is our backup quarterback. He's like 6'5", and dude fumbles it right there. Right there, I was like, this cannot be happening. This cannot be happening. And then 28-27, to that was the most depressing loss for Southeastern, I think, this year. 
Well, you know, the thing is about Tim Rebo, when other head coaches go to sleep, they check their closet for Tim Rebo, and, you know, so does mm-hmm. the boogeyman, because, well, <laughs> Tim Rebo will freaking kill you. But, no, it was it was wild. I, again, I was following that game on the app as well, and I'm just sitting there, because I, I wanted to turn it on, and I don't have ESPN+, Plus, so I couldn't watch mm-hmm. it, but I'm just sitting there, I'm like, what is going on? Because I thought the app was wigging out as it has a tendency to do oh yeah because i'm like there's no way this game's still going like what's happening then all of a sudden i see Nichols with the ball on the app i'm like wait Mm -hmm. what the hell just happened and they reviewed it too because i forget what they were uh i don't know if they thought it was a fumble or like whatever but i I knew i was like nah i was like dude fumbled it i was like he just jacked it up well, that's what. But I mean, that's Cole what, Kelly essentially has been. You can't like discredit everything he's done for Southeastern this year. A dude has been great for Southeastern this um, football season. So, like, you know, we support him still. We love him, but uh, yeah, it sucked. Either way, every I, like I said, Southeastern, uh, Central Arkansas, and of course Nichols gets to the second round of the postseason. They all lose, but mm-hmm. hey, I mean. You got to the playoffs. You made it to the second round. You got yourself a win. And this was the the head coach at Southeastern's first year, right? No, it was his second, second. year. Second, Everyone okay. was literally, because the first year, you know, they didn't do so good. And everyone, I think, was pretty much counting Selfo out. Like, they were like, you know, he, he doesn't have it. Like, he's not a good fit for Southeastern. But I think this year, you know, people got used to the fact that Okay, like he's he's gonna do something different this year, and there, uh, Southeastern got a new defensive coordinator. I'm okay. blanking on his name, but he, I mean, came in and just tore it up, tore it up, and and just completely like made changes where it needed to be changed. And I think Southeastern, it, it's only gonna look up from here. Well, um, well, college so. football is such an interesting dynamic in terms of the coaching tree just because y- you can't count out a head coach after just one year. It's not the same as no. the NFL where you no. have a draft, where you have free agency, where you can handpick right. your players. And, uh, now, granted, there's a little bit of a recruiting process in free agency, much like how you get your players in college football, but at the end of the day – the NFL, the difference is, is also playing with a salary cap. Everyone's playing right. on the same playing field. They're just different cities. College, mm-hmm. you know, your facilities are different. All these things right. play a massive role. Um, mm-hmm. But then, of course, you know, the other dynamic is coordinators. Now, while they're equally important in both, we can see what happens in college football after you lose a coordinator because case in point, Alabama losing Kirby Smart as their defensive coordinator. Their defense hasn't been the same since. Definitely not. So, I mean, if if this is a recipe for success for Southeastern, it looks like we'll have some more – great river bell classic games for years to come as long as tim rebo stays there because yeah i mean i was worried about him leaving last year and i'm hoping he'll stick around for a couple more years with nichols who is um i don't know who is taking a place of 4k then so they have a couple of different options i'm not sure who's going to start but they got k grenier from destrahan 
And then yeah. they got uh, Andrew Robeson from Hanville. So, okay. and both are damn good. I actually, so Robeson, I don't know if you followed it, but when he was at Hanville, that was the transfer from Vanderbilt who kept getting held out because of. Um, I heard about it, but I didn't, I didn't follow it too much, but I did hear about it. For yeah, sure. so it's, it's him and he only played a handful of games for Hanville, but I tell you what, that kid's got a freaking cannon. I was, uh, I, I got, I saw a couple of clips of some passes he made. There was one that I, I distinctly remember. It was a post corner and it was in double coverage. And this, this play was thrown probably 25, 30 yards downfield. I mean, he fit it into a tight window, tight spiral, the whole nine. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, holy shit. So when he, signed with Nichols. I was happy about that, but Cade, Cade Grigne and Andrew Robeson are the two, I think, and I think they actually got a transfer, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. sure who it was, but Tim Rebo, I mean, you never know just because he has a way of recruiting people, and that's what he's been successful with, but um, it's going to be interesting, but Chase's, Chase 4K's been unbelievable. I mean, it, there's no doubt he's the best quarterback in school history, and it's not even close. Oh, yeah. We talked about him a lot on the big game and just like um, – because that's what our show's called, the big game. And um, we talked a lot about him and just like how – I mean, he was like – just had done so much for Nichols in the program. And, look, I couldn't tell you all of Nichols' history and stuff. I just know that we're rivals and all that stuff. But – I, just watching him play and everything, like, I mean, he was, he really was outstanding. So, like, definitely props to him. Sad that it didn't go, like, the way that he wanted it to go his last year. But, I mean, they went out with a bang, though, going to playoffs. Southeastern hasn't been to playoffs, and I couldn't tell you how long, so. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and that's the thing, too, with Chase is, it's crazy because I said this to someone a couple of weeks back when all the Burrow hype was getting real. Chase reminds me a lot of Burrow in a lot of ways. He's chippy, he's aggressive, and he has that similar play style. Like the two of them are just gamers. They uh, they're competitive. Uh, both have a lot of confidence in between the lines, and it was funny because in one of the games. I'm trying to remember which game it was that I went to. Uh, it was a non-playoff game. It was for Family Dan. I don't remember who they played. Might have been Northwestern, but one of the cornerbacks for Northwestern was getting in Chase's ear, and Chase was just going back and forth with him. So it's it's always fun when you see a quarterback just talk a lot of shit. Um, but speaking of that, uh, before we wrap up here, did you see the clip of uh, Philip Rivers and what he said to uh, Ngakwe from the Jaguars? It just okay. so I saw it. I saw it right, but I didn't actually see what was said or anything. Just because, like, I think it was just something I honestly scrolled past. And yeah, did not care about much. But, uh, but yeah, go ahead. So Philip Rivers is one of the most notorious shit talking quarterbacks, right. and. Course. He, uh, he gets hit by Yannick Ngakwe of the Jaguars, and he completed the pass, and it was a 90-yard touchdown. Well, Ngakwe helps him up, and as Ngakwe helps him up, Philip Rivers just comes walking past him and, like, screams in his ear, 90-yard touchdown! And uh, 
he of course took took case with that he's just like yo dude like what's the deal why are you doing this and uh the ref gets involved he's like hey calm down 17 he was like what i can't be excited and then he was like yeah he and ngakwe was like i don't need you doing that in my ear i said but i will do that in your ear and I'm just like, dude, Philip Rivers is such a douchebag in the best way imaginable. Like, I want that guy as my quarterback all the time. Right? I respect it. I respect it. I mean, I'd be happy shit. 90 yards? Yeah. Can't get much better than that. No. But, um, but other than that, uh, you know, what's, I guess, before we wrap up, so I, I know you're staying in school uh, for a little bit longer, but... What's the what's the big goal for the near future here? So I um, like you talked about. I this semester I got an internship at Fox Eight. Um, it was great. Loved meeting all the guys: Juan Kincaid, Sean Fazan, um, you know, Chris Hagen, Garland Gillen. Like it was great. You know, getting it. They really gave me good advice um, about moving forward and and just about. I mean. Like, that sports department, it's all guys. And so for me to be able to be an intern there, see how it goes, and, like, them give me advice. And, I mean, like, fully accept me, too, and just treat me like one of them was great. And, um, but moving on, I have been um, getting a lot of job offers. So one of them was in Myrtle Beach. Oh, shit. um, To be a reporter, yeah. So... A lot of people, um, for people who don't know, when you get into this industry, a lot of the times you're stuck with doing news at first, Mm -hmm. and then you work your way into sports. So I would have to start doing news, and then eventually I'd work my way into sports. But um, if the job offer is still there and I don't get anything better, I'm probably going to move to Myrtle Beach. That's awesome. (laughs) And live it up. My dad's all excited because he's like, oh, hell yeah. My dad used to surf in South Africa. So he's like, I'm buying a surfboard. (laughs) I'm coming over there all the time to take trips. I'm getting my surfing career together. So um, future is looking bright. I'm making a lot of connections. Uh, I'm super excited. I just, um, you know, a lot of times people get burnt out trying to get to the top. And so I'm trying to keep like a level head. Like you got to keep keep the drive going the whole way so um that's what i'm trying to do and and uh so one more semester and then we'll see how it goes that's awesome myrtle beach would be dope and of course myrtle beach one of the most famous golfing or golf courses on the planet so that's really cool but um no congratulations to everything you got going and i appreciate you coming on it's been uh it's been a good episode and uh hopefully we'll uh get you back on here soon and hopefully there's some good news next next time yeah hopefully we will have more news to share but thanks for having me mike i appreciate it it was a great talk absolutely and uh as always honor the huddle we'll see you next time thank you for tuning in to the hotard huddle podcast stay up to date with all the latest episodes released on the first and 15th of every month at hotardhuddle.com follow us on facebook and instagram at hotardhuddle 